Hello, everyone. It's Sean A. Barksdale, and we're back again for another exciting episode of 10 Minutes of Truth. As you know, we have my brother, my partner, my um, my best friend, uh, Mr. Larry Howerton Jr. How you doing again, brother? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for being allowing me to be here today, Sean. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, last time we were we had started talking about um, people self medicating, and you were talking about um, you were talking about uh, you know your you had never done drugs or alcohol except for it being forced on you. Mm -hmm. um, why didn't you ever do drugs or alcohol? Um, because I used to see the way the um, individuals around me used to act, and um, like I just uh, had an influence from when I got a little older. I had a friend, um, his name was Joy, and he was like, "Man, we gonna um, play basketball. We ain't gonna um, use drugs and alcohol. We gonna play basketball." Joy ain't do drugs either. No, nah, Joy didn't do drugs. Still now. Still now, he doesn't do drugs. Wow. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, they claim for him to be like a bad negative influence on me, but. That was like one of the positive things that I'm <laughs> definitely really, um, I'm really happy for that he influenced me not to use drugs. Oh wow, yeah, that's that's important because um, I started using drugs and alcohol very young. Um, <clears throat> so to the youth, right? Because we deal with a lot of youth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we deal with a lot of group homes, you know, in the community, uh, and in which you'll see the job that he has as he comes up the line. Um, <clears throat> that's big for the youth. Yeah. Right. To know that they got enough, they have another option besides doing drugs. Yeah. Right. And that's why, like, one of the reasons that, you know, peer recovery, um, because of me going through that and saying, excuse me, I want the uh, the youth to know that they have another option. And if they do go that route, that they still have people in the community that they can come to talk to like myself, like yourself, you know, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I applaud that though, brother, for n not doing that. Um, but still in the community, uh, of course, as we heard from last week, certain things still transpired and happened. Um, tell me about, uh, your teenage years about from, from that 13 up until you actually caught your charge with the, what those years like? Well, um, like I earlier mentioned about, um, my grandfather and the things that he did before he was paralyzed was before I was born. So this trauma that I went through, it happened before I was born with my family, because like I say, again, he tried to kill my whole family. Like he was going to run them into a ditch and kill them all. But he was the only one who came out suicide with, um, with peril, being paralyzed. And what this did is it traumatized my family to the extent that it raised me up in an environment where their love was displayed with like argumentation, but they really mm, loved each other. So right. they loved each other in a different way than the normal household. But I thought this was normal, normal. Right. So everything that, you know, I seen and went on in my household and in society, I thought it was normal. I didn't know how other societies uh, work. So as I grew up um, throughout my teenage teenage years, um, my quick reaction to someone harming me or someone bullying me or someone bullying someone that I cared about, um, I acted by with taking extreme measures. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. I grew up upon people that took extreme measures. And um, that's meaning basically if someone was to 
come towards you, you usually would in a normal society, you would refrain. You would try to bag back as far as far as you can. My um, society taught me to react, to hurt them before they hurt me. If they hit me, hit them back, um, you know, meet violence with violence. Um, so this is what I grew up in. Um, in my area in Danville, Virginia, um, on Green Street and um, West um, Westmoreland and the North Side, uh, this is what I constantly uh, bore witness to. Um, when I was like 13 or 14, my eighth grade year, whatever age I was, I, I started to hang around um, guys in the streets in Westmoreland area um, and in Green Street area and um you know, I started um, just hanging with guys and, and we wasn't, you know, we was just like mingling with girls, hanging with girls and stuff like that. But then later on when I got. So into, this what years was this? This was around 93, 94. Were gangs in Danville then like Bloods, Crips, stuff like that? No, it was neighborhoods. Like, just neighborhoods. Yeah, neighborhoods. Right. Like you would know me from either being with the guys from the Moreland or you would know me from being with the guys from Green Street, you know, and um. We had like a loyalty there, you know, so especially Green Street guys, they had a loyalty um, amongst one another, whereas they wouldn't let nobody mess with their side of town and so forth and so on. But it wasn't no gang activities where you would initiate someone and which you, um, which you would uh, say you can't leave us alone unless you're um, going to have blood on your face or so forth and so on. It wasn't none of those gang activities. It was just camaraderie based upon your Lo, um, your location Your locality Okay yeah. Right That's how it pretty much was Here That's why I asked that question <clears throat> Excuse me Okay so um, And it's your neighborhood That you grew up in Yeah Okay so So with that being said um, And everybody's pretty much On the same thing The guys Like like in your neighborhood As far as selling drugs And the violence And stuff like that Yeah my whole um, My whole crew The guys of um, that I was with Around my age Most of them was older than me I was one of the younger ones but um, it was a it was one or two like trade. He was younger than me, but mostly all of us shot dice. We gambled. We went to the clubs together. We um, we sold dope. We sold crack together. Was there any positive influence in the neighborhood no. that you remember? No, the um the positive influences in our neighborhood that we consider positive was the crackheads that used to go and say stay in the house and we'll go run for you. Okay, right. You know what I'm saying? So we ain't had no man saying don't sell crack. We had right. a man saying, well, look, stay in the house. And I do this. I do right, this. Right, but right, they, at right, the same right, time, they right. were seeking their benefit. Absolutely, absolutely. So how important is that in today's society where now there are gangs and um, <clears throat> it's kind of the same thing where the, 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 the youth are not seeing a positive image and the older guys are 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 kind of uh persuading the younger guys to join the gangs and stuff of that nature. So, um what does that look like uh, uh to you today as versus back then? What it, what I know um and what it looks like to me is that what I know about these youth is that they're looking to learn. Mm. You know what I'm saying? From the time you come out the womb of your mother, you're looking to learn. Right. So you're observing everybody's speech everybody's actions and right. so forth and so on and if you have a bunch of negative actions and that pure approach that you have as a child comes out it's like everything you see that someone might be teaching you negative you taking it as pure so by not having no pure um positive role models in society then the kids they're looking for somebody to guide them to teach them to um show them how to be a man because every 
um, child wants to be a man or a woman. And, you know, this is this is what's going on. This is what's going on in society. Um, the kids are grasping to um, what they hear with the media, what they hear with the music, what they see on the games. And then they have a man in society that, you know, acts these things out, but are not willing to do those things themselves. And hmm. they say, we're going to follow what he says instead of what he does. Hmm. Yeah. Correct. And uh, we see that a lot. Yeah. We see that a lot because, uh, as you said, with the youth, even with, you know, like my own children, they sponges. And they just trying to soak up information. So if it's negative, that's what they're going to soak up. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's positive um, and whatnot. And that's something as well that, you know, we want to just provide information so that no matter what a person chooses, that they'll just know that they have different options yeah. and whatnot because we didn't think we had other options because hmm. we didn't see other options um, in, in, in the community or in the neighborhood. Um, so with that, uh, we're going to start leading up because we don't have a lot of time left, uh, about a minute and so, but we're going to lead up to what caused you to go to prison. Um, do you remember the day? The day it happened? The day that it happened. Yes, I remember it vividly. Um, were you in school, out of school? I had got um, into an altercation in school, and they suspended me and the guy and a few other guys that had was in the altercation. No one counseled us or gave us any intermediation. They just sent us home. Um, me, I didn't show my letter to my parents, and I don't know if any of the other kids showed their letters to their what parents. What school was this? I was going to George Washington High School in Danville. George Washington, okay. But what was the population? Oh, I was like a thousand people. About a thousand people. Yeah, it was a thousand. What grade were you in? I was in the eleventh grade, tenth and eleventh grade classes. Between tenth and eleventh yeah. grade classes. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, what was that in your environment like in school? What was that like? Um, po I was popular, and the other guy, he was just as popular, maybe even more. You know, so it was like, um. You know, everybody, they, they looked up to us, you know, they looked up to, um, um, you know, our street habits and our, his, he's, he was a rapper. And then the other guys who was with, they was into little hustling and everything. So they, um, a lot of people looked up to us and it was okay. like a big thing when we clashed oh, into wow. one another. Got you. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, that's it for this episode. Tune back in next week as we start to tell the story of how Mr. Howerton ended up in prison for almost 26 years. This is Sean A. Boxdale, and this has been 10 Minutes of Truth. Thank you. Representation is extremely important, and sometimes it has to be civil, and sometimes it has to be criminal. If you need help in these areas, please call Mike Trent of the Trent Law Practice. He can be found at 7S Main Street, Halifax, Virginia, 245 and that phone number is 434-471-4339. If you want to get it right, call Mike.